Hey everybody, it's Jason. Welcome or welcome back to the Mosaic Church Podcast. At the end of this podcast, please take a moment to connect with us on social media. It's a great place to learn more and to see what's happening at Mosaic. Most importantly, hope the following message encourages and inspires you to take a new step on your faith journey. Enjoy. Um, <laughs> uh, I have to admit something to you guys. I, and this is hard, this is hard, this is challenging. Oh man, um, I am a fan of Ghostbusters. Um, I know that's a rarity, not m- most people aren't. <laughs> no. no, but uh, I like Ghostbusters to the point, where, I know this is kind of a weird, uh, non secular sounding story, but it don't make sense. Um, <laughs> I, I like Ghostbusters to the degree that I like the second one, actually, not more than the first, but I, I like it just as much. It, and I know, I know. Uh, <laughs> see, that's what was hard. So, so check this out. Check this out. Um, one, one of the things I like is this. If, you, if you've never seen Ghostbusters 2, I know like most of us have. But if you haven't, here's, here's the wacky premise. So uh, basically, you have these guys who are kind of techno exorcists, if you think about it. <laughs> um, and New York's in trouble. They're in New York, and something's going on. All this evil's happening. And they find out that there's a river of goo uh, under the city, uh, as there would be, right? And <laughs> it makes total sense. And they go and they collect it. And they find out that it's uh, emotionally reactive. And it makes perfect sense that in New York City, that's where all the evil's happening. If you have emotionally reactive goo, that's reacting negativity, right? New York's the place. And so it's all this chaos is happening. And what they do is they find out that you can make the goo emotionally reactive positively, too. They start playing great song. Jackie Wilson's uh, Your Love Lifts Me Higher and Higher. I love it. I love that song. I bump it in the car, like, when I'm driving. And No, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Here's my rendition, all right? Yeah. No. <laughs> nice. Um, and then they, this is, this is, like, the coolest part. They put it on the Statue of Liberty, and the Statue of Liberty starts moving, and they, like, fix the city. It's, it's cool. So <laughs> there, there it is. And it was interesting, man. It, it made me think, like, wow, the Ghostbusters made New York happy. That's, like, kind of a miracle. That's, that's a pretty, <laughs> pretty good thing. Um, I was like, man, what if, what if that's... I know it's fiction. I know it's fiction. This would never happen in a million years, but imagine, imagine if... You can make a whole population of people happy, right? Like, wouldn't that be cool? Or like joyous, loving? It's kind of interesting. Um, but it's so far-fetched sounding. Like they had to make a Ghostbusters movie to make New York happy, right? And, and we're there too. It's not just New York. Like, it's easy to pick on. But we're like that too, right? Um, you, you couldn't even imagine, especially nowadays, a society of just loving people. Isn't that kind of weird? Like... It's kind of sad that they have to make a fictional movie about it. But what if, what if that is a genuine possibility? What if that is a genuine possibility? What if that is possible? Um, today I want to talk about that. I want to talk about the fact that uh, while we're in this series called Love Letters, we get to talk about the fact that there's a biblical understanding of love, and then there's love that sometimes we have that might be, might be good understandings of love, and it might be misconceptions that our culture teaches us. And we get to kind of go through these different kinds of love. And today I want to talk about the fact that 
God has a high bar, a high standard of love that he actually has in Scripture. And I want to contrast this with actually another biblical standard of love, more of a normal standard. Uh, I'll explain what I'm talking about, uh, but first let me pray here. Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much for the opportunity to just talk about your love. Father, we know you are love, and so this is a, an amazing opportunity to talk about just your character and how we can express that. Father, I, I thank you so much for the standards that we have, and Father, I just, I just thank you so much, even though it's, it's always difficult and challenging, that you raise the standard, and you don't just leave us alone to meet it, but you meet it um, with us. I ask that uh, you can bless this message uh, for the hearers and just uh, use me um, the best of my ability. I pray all this in your Holy Son's name. Amen. So last week, Jason took us through 1 Corinthians 13, and he talked about the fact that we have these kind of godly qualities. Godly character produces godly qualities, right? Um, and now I want to talk about the fact that we have this kind of two standards in Scripture. Uh, I'll talk about the normal standard first, uh, because most of the sermon's about the spiritual standard, as I'm going to call it. So the normal standard is this. There is a, uh, a standard in Scripture, you've probably heard this, if you've been in, the, in church for any amount of time, you've heard this, there's a standard called the Great Commandment, okay? Uh, this is, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. You've all probably heard this. Um, this is a great standard, actually. Um, this is a good standard. Uh, it's a great commandment. It's the golden rule, right? Do unto others as you would have done unto you. It's, nothing's bad about it. I just want to clarify that. There's nothing bad about this. It's obviously given by God. It's a good standard. I will say this, though. It's a, it's a, it is a hard standard, but it's the normal standard. Um, I have an illustration here uh, that I want to kind of take us through. It's kind of Silly, I apologize. This is, you know, the best I could do. So <laughs> if you imagine a hill, okay, and just think of all of God's creatures on this hill, right? Humans would be at the top of God's physical creation, right? I think we can all say that. People were made in God's image. Nothing else is. Uh, that's God's name in the sky, clouds, heaven, okay? That's where that is. Now, here's that standard. That standard is... Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. So we have a standard that is both high but normal, okay? It, it, it's high because here's the deal. If you take Israel, if you take ancient Israel, there's nothing really special about them other than the fact that God selected them and spoke to them, okay? He loved them. He's, he chose them out of Babylon, Abraham out of Babylon, right? He makes a people. He handcrafts a people, a particular people, and he communicates with them. He gives them his law. They, they, he, he's with them through all their challenges. He gives them victories, all this stuff. But there's nothing, like, that separates them from us. They're just people. They're just people. They're just a hand-selected people of God. And it would make sense if you have people as the top, and then you put God's people or hand-selected people at the top of that, it would make sense that the standard of love would be love others as yourself. Why? You're the top dog. Makes sense. And actually, I would say this. We as Gentiles, most of us, 
I think it's fair to say that we would put ourselves in that place too. We don't have to be hand-selected from God, like even if we're not Christians. We would put ourselves, if we're being honest, at the top of that heap too. And so it's not a bad standard if you think about it because it, it plays off of sometimes our selfishness. Love as who loves? Ourselves. Right? We know we're very familiar with that standard. Now, I call it the normal standard, but I'll say this. It's a hard standard. Okay? If you have kids, you know what I'm talking about because, ooh, uh, how many times are you, you know, just hanging out and you're like, all right, hey, hey, quit picking on each other. Hey, you know, do unto others as you would have done unto you, right? <laughs> and like cut to like 15 minutes later, like, hey, I said it. Just, you know, like... <laughs> <laughs> Why won't you listen? It's it, all of us are there, right? Um, and if you don't have kids, uh, you're at the grocery store, you're in line, and somebody just you know you're like I can't I'm trying to man up and hold all my stuff or whatever, and then somebody just scoots in front of you, just stares at you, scoots in front and goes the thing. You're like, uh, uh, do unto others, man, yeah, right? Like we we all know, we all know about it. We might mumble it, but we we know about it, right? We want others. It's a hard standard. And we often don't reflect it on ourselves. But this is the thing. We, we want that standard. But what I'll say is this. Believe it or not, <laughs> there is a higher standard. There is a higher standard for Christians. This is the, I would say, the minimum, and it's hard. This is the minimum standard of what we ought to do. We ought to love. But the standard is higher than ourselves. Uh, today's text is going to be in John chapter 15, if you want to open up, it'll be on uh, the screen here too. John chapter 15, verses 12 through 17. What I'm going to say is this. I have three points, um, but I, I really have to go through this and talk about what's being said a lot. So, so there's three points, but I got to clarify a lot. So it's love sacrifices, love speaks, and love serves. So pretty typical stuff that we probably hear all the time, but here's the deal. Um, this is from the Gospel of John, and John is notoriously difficult to understand because he packs so much into what he's trying to say. He is just jam-packing theology into every little word he says. And so you have to, I'm, I'm, by the way, I'm all for reading the Bible in a year. Please do it. It's a really cool challenge. What I would probably say, though, is, you know, you could probably read the narrative passages really quickly, and then when you get to John, you've got to slow down a bit. Spend, like, a little longer in John. He's, he's kind of rough. Good, though. So let's go through it. I'll, t I'll, I'll kind of uh, talk about what's going on here as we, as we continue here. So let's start with, uh, I'll read the whole passage, and then I'll, go, I'll break it down. So he says this, John 15, 12 through 17. <clears throat> he says, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. <clears throat> Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I choose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so that whatever you ask in my name, the father will give you. This is my command, love each other. Now, if you read that too fast... Uh, you might get something wrong out of this because it can be mis easily misunderstood. What this could sound like is, hey, here, here's the deal. 
Um, I only choose particular friends. Uh, you aren't a friend of mine, Jesus, right? Unless you do my commands. And you are only friends, you're not slaves. That, that one's kind of cool. But it, you, can, you can go through it and you can go, oh, okay. Uh, Jesus is very selective about who his friends are. <clears throat> but that's not really what's being said here. Uh, I'm going I'm to break it down and, and we'll talk about it. But remember, let's go through the context real quick. This passage is super, super important. It's one of my favorite sections of Scripture. This is in uh, John 13 through 17, and this is uh, all happening on the same night. All those chapters in this book are happening on the same night. This is the night that Jesus was betrayed. This is the night he was arrested. This is the night before he's crucified. This is three nights before he rises from the dead. And this is 50 days before the Holy Spirit in Acts comes on all believers and indwells them forever. <clears throat> this is a huge night. And John spends, John's the last to write all of his Gospels. He writes in like the 90s AD. Everybody else is writing way earlier. And so he has something to say about this night that most people didn't say yet. And so it's really important to kind of break down what he's actually talking about. First, let's go through this. Love sacrifices, okay? Greater love, this is verse 13, greater love has no one than this to lay one's life down for one's friends. Now, here's the deal. Um, again, what this is not saying, this is not talking about uh, the friend who's like, ride or die, uh, I'll take a bullet for you, right? You get arrested, I'm in this cell right along with you. Like, that's, <laughs> that's not what he's saying. He's not saying, like, true friends, just, like, it doesn't matter. Just dive on the grenade, bro. Um, although that's good. That's not, not horrible things. Self-sacrifice is good. But again, that's not what he's talking about. Again, context, what's going to happen literally this evening that he's talking about. He's going to get arrested, and then the next day he's going to sacrifice his life for the world. The whole world. See, the normal standard, the normal standard of loving others as ourselves, it's not completely sacrificial, right? Because the standard is us. We can sacrifice quite a bit because we can, if we can see somebody in a, a position, an empathetic position that we would like us to be in or somebody to treat us, we'll meet that standard for sure, if, even though it's high. <laughs> but sacrifice, sacrifice is really challenging. And again, you might, take, you might take a bullet for somebody you know. That might be the case. Would you take a bullet for a complete stranger? And even then, even then, here's, here's really what's going on in this passage. What's really going on in this passage is not just a list of good things to do. I'm going to talk about it as love does these things, but, but keep in mind, who is love? Who is love? God is love. Jesus is God. Therefore, he's not saying, he's not saying, this is something you're completely able to do in and of your own strength. What's, what's interesting, though, is this. He's telling them this before all the events go down. They're still in the dark. They still don't know what's going to happen. They're with their Messiah, their Savior, probably the, the person who's 
you know, going to upend the world. And then we see what really happens to these people when he gets arrested. They scatter. John is the only one that stays with them. So he's telling them, hey, love, love, sacrifices. You lay your life down for your friends. And when the moment gets tough, they're gone. And this is, a, again, again, this is a hard bar. This is a hard bar. It's already hard enough to love as we would want to be loved, right? It's it, to treat others as we want to be treated. It's impossible, impossible to love as Jesus loves. You can't die for the whole world. That's not something within your wheelhouse to do. If you think of somebody who, you know, I have, I have buddies who went off uh, when I was younger to Iraq and Afghanistan. And I have no, I mean, other than the people I've talked to about it, very few conversations, but um, I've never known if anybody over there took a bullet for me, right? Like, this one's for Kurt. And even if they did, how would that affect me? Here's the interesting thing. I used to think, I used to think that this is what happened with Jesus. And I wonder how many Christians think the same thing, that, that Jesus is just some dude who lived a long time ago in the Middle East and literally just physically died for us, and that's it. Like, how many people are confused out there that don't really know what cosmically happened? It's kind of interesting to think about. But love does sacrifice. It's more than just giving your life for another person. He's talking about Jesus giving his life for everyone, and he's teaching this for some reason. Let's continue here. Next point here is love speaks. Uh, this is in verses 14 through 15. I'm going to read it real quick. It says, You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I learned from my father I have made known to you. Love speaks. So real quick. I, I don't want to let us get caught here because there's, there's a lot being said. I don't want us to get misconstrued. What he's not saying is that you are not slaves at all. Uh, that would be contradictory to a lot of other passages in the Scripture, particularly Paul, who says a lot about our Christian faith, who calls us slaves all the time. He says he's a slave. Um, and, and I know, again, I know too, that this would be great news if we weren't, because <laughs> slavery is a hard thing to talk about in America. Um, it's, it's different in biblical times, both in the Old Testament and New Testament. They're all different than what we had. And slavery really, if we're being honest, it, it jars against our American pride. Uh, don't call me a slave. I'm nobody's slave. I'm not your servant. We don't like that. I don't. I'm guessing... You don't either. I'm guessing most people don't like being called that. But it's true theologically. And trust me, Paul talks about it this way. He says, you are a slave to somebody. I don't care what some, some kid says. I have friends who are like, I'm, I'm not going to be a Christian because I'm not a slave to anybody. I'm like, you're already a slave, bro. You're already serving somebody. It might be numero uno. And the Bible calls that sin and death because that's what you're stuck in. You're in, this, you're in the same rat race. You're, you're a slave. Good news is you can choose your master. But again, that, that theology is not in question here. It's, he's not even, he, he briefly mentions it, but he's not talking about that kind of idea. He, he says this, 
It's a communication. It's a communication. Check out some of this language here. He says, you're my friends if we do what I command. I no longer call you servants. So I've called you friends because I've, I've taught you everything that my father has taught me. Why? Because love communicates. I think about some people who I know who uh, haven't known their dad. And some people choose not to after a certain amount of time, but I think about it and I think about the fact that wouldn't it be better, and, and I've had these conversations, wouldn't it be better if they actually reached out instead of just like living their life away and just never reaching out and making that mistake, having their kid, not being with them, wouldn't it be better if they just reached out? That's what some kids are like crying out for. It's just something. They, they honestly don't care if dad was locked up. He could be in the military, he could be locked up. Just say something. Why? Because clarity of information is always better, always better than ignorance. I'm, I don't care what position my dad would be in. I'd want to hear from him. My friend. When you, when you text somebody and you don't get anything back forever. And I know, like, I, I'm a millennial, so, like, <laughs> I'm bad at that. <laughs> I don't think of that in, in my text. But that's true. Like, when you text somebody and you're like, oh, man, that's convicting, actually. But it's that communication. It's that communication, right? It's always better to communicate. There's an illustration that I really like, okay? There's this movie back in the day. Uh, it's not that old, actually. It's a few years old. It's called Fences, and it's based off a play uh, and it's about this African-American dad in the 50s who was about to be a pro ball player, pro uh, baseball. And he had a kid, and so he threw away his opportunity to raise his family. And in the play, this is cool, in the play, uh, the dad was played by James Earl Jones. In the movie, it's Denzel Washington, so he can't go wrong. Um, awesome. But there's a conversation. I, I can't play it because it's pretty foul-mouthed, but um, it's a conversation. It's famous in this movie from the dad and the son. And the dad's obviously resentful towards his son. And his son comes up to him and he says, uh, hey dad, why don't you like me? Why don't you like me? And the dad immediately starts ripping into his son. And he says, what did you say? Stand up straight, right? And he's like, say sir when you talk to me. He's like, do I put food on your plate? Do I put a roof over your head? Do you have a warm place to sleep? Where is it written that I have to like you? Now go. And, and I would say this. That's a, that's a good dad in a way. That's a good dad because he's meeting that standard, that normal standard of what he ought to do as a father in his role. I need to care for my kid. If you're a mom, I need to care for my kid. If you're a husband, I need to care for my wife. But what did, the, what did the son want from his dad? I want to know clearly, do you love me? I used, I mean, he shot under, he said like. But you know what he meant. And his dad was so frustrated, he can't even say it. In a way, he's hiding behind his actions. Good actions, but he's hiding behind his actions. Again, this is, 
like, there's nothing wrong with loving others as yourself. In fact, I'm not trying to belittle that in any way. It's an amazing standard. Some people would kill for a dad like that. Just be there. But there is something better. There is something better. There's a godly, a godly clarity. How good, and, and God would be good, but how good would he be if he didn't communicate? Right? He would still be good, but he goes that extra length and he gives us his word. And that's, by the way, one of the reasons why that word is so important. It's so important. It's so important to hold high because if, if God did not communicate, how would you even know that you don't have a good relationship with him, that that relationship needs to be repaired? You'd be left in the dark. And what's crazy is not only does he give his very word, he gives his very self. God comes to us in the you know, sinful beings that we are. He comes as a man. Obviously not sinful. Jesus is the God-man, but he comes as one of us. What's crazy is God goes the extra length and he communicates through himself. Mind-blowing, loving, crazy high standard. And that's what he's saying here. I tell you, I don't treat you like a slave that just has to do what I say. I freely give and I've, I've spent my time with you, training you, raising you. <clears throat> Finally here, love serves. He says this in verses 16 through 17. He says, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so whatever you ask of my name, the Father will give you. This is my command, love each other. You know what's crazy about this? There's a couple of things that I I wouldn't bank on. One is um, this selection, this choosing. You know, people are like, well, what if, you know, God is choosing some of us, choosing others? That whole conversation you can table because it's not even what's happening here. Remember the, again, remember the context. Jesus speaking, particularly on an evening, a very important evening, to people he hand-selected to carry out his mission. By the way, they're not like other gods. They're like he didn't replicate literally himself. He's not like getting angels together and like, all right, guys, we can't deal with the human trash. Like, uh, let's do this. He, he hand-selected these dudes, these average guys. Some, some have probably rap sheets way worse than any of us. And he hand-selects these guys, and he's telling them, hey, I, I literally chose you for a purpose, for a purpose. It wasn't just to hang out, guys. <laughs> you might like Jesus, but he's like, I didn't just, I didn't just, like, you found me and we're figuring it out as we go. I chose you, I selected you, and we're doing something. I've been teaching you, and I'm empowering you. And they don't even, what's, again, what's crazy is in this moment, John remembers, in this moment, they had no idea what was about to happen. No idea. Because this is literally one evening before, right? Three days before, and 50 days before, and at that 50-day mark, He raises the bar 
He raises the bar by sending the Holy Spirit. Uh, we Sometimes in the Christian church, we downplay the role of the Holy Spirit. Um, sometimes we have interesting ideas about the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit, the third member of the Trinity, has a lot of roles in Scripture. And one of them, one of them, because Jesus took on flesh, he has to sit now as, as the God-man, as a, as a reborn man, at the right hand of God the Father in heaven. How does that Jesus come and hang out with the people who are still on earth here? What he does is when you believe in what he did, what Jesus did and who he was, he sends the Holy Spirit to indwell us, to connect us with him. That is one of the biggest ministries of the Holy Spirit. And that's why he can raise that bar and not say, you can't meet it. Love as I have loved, that would be a horrible like trap if he said, do that, and we were unable to love in a godly way. What's crazy is he doesn't leave us alone. And in fact, in this section, in, in chapter 17, you see him praying and talking about this. And he talks about, in this section, about sending a comforter, a helper, to help us out. And that happens. And what's crazy is this, guys. I, I hear this all the time. We, we offer, like, a small group where we, we encourage people to go out and, and you know, bring people in and, and you know, spread the gospel. And there's, there's a few things that come back. They'll say, I don't know enough of the Bible, which, fair. Uh, by the way, <laughs> I've, I've been in school, you know, for like a decade. The degree does not match the time, by the way. <laughs> and I still don't know enough. So I, I, it makes me laugh every time I hear that. I'm like, yeah, you, it, that's an endless race. But, but they say they don't know, know enough scripture. Um, sometimes they'll say, and, and I understand this too, I have a history, right? Just like a prophet doesn't have his, uh, any worth in his hometown. I get that. And then also they'll say like, I'm busy. This is America. I'm busy. I'm a busy person. I'm curious which one of those 12 disciples that became the apostles could say the very same thing. These were not educated elites. These were not people who, I mean, talk about busy. These guys had to literally exist on what they caught or, or what they did for a living. Like, gruel, they, I'm sure they didn't have a five-day work week, nine to five, right? And yet, you cannot talk about world history without knowing who these dudes were. Isn't that crazy? That, that blows me away. I spent, by the way, I spent my, my whole K through 12 career in the public school system. It took me going to a Christian college to hear how impactful the scriptures were in Western civilization, which affected the entire globe. I was like, whoa, really? There's so much like about Christianity and stuff that's happening here, why people are going here, what's going on, motivations, different things like that. It took me literally like, having people who specialize in that to talk about it when it's basic history. But these guys were not better than us. They were not more qualified than us. They were just dudes. And, and God is sitting with them in a room saying, hey, love as I have loved. Talk about the bar being raised. 
Guys, we are no different than that. We are no different than that. The difference is time. Literally, we just live in a different point on the timeline. You, you can always, you can always love, and even though it's hard, I understand, you can always love others as yourself because God accepts that as a, as a value of love. But you know what's crazy is he even says you can love more than that. Do you, do you feel that way? Do you feel that way? When you leave here and like the chaos happens and you go right back into the race and everything, do you think about the fact that God is with you at all times and that you have the ability to love others as he is loved? I encourage you, I encourage you, write it down somewhere that you, that you look often. Write down, love as I have loved. And try, try your best to remember that throughout the week. Try to remember that like all throughout the year. Make that something you meditate on daily. Because it's a, it's a, again, it's hard enough to love others as ourselves, I'll be honest. But man, talk about, talk about a high bar that he helps us meet. I want to tell you a story real quick. Real quick. This, this is something that happened to me a long time ago that clicked uh, when I became saved. And it, and it has weirdly affected me. But it took me being a Christian to really understand it. I had this best friend growing up. <clears throat> uh, he was my next door neighbor. He was this African American kid, super cool family. We were kind of like, you know, white trashy, whatever. It was like, whatever. So, <laughs> but he was so cool. Like when I had a crush on a girl when I was like in elementary school, he was like teaching me. This is the '90s. He was teaching me how to t- stuff like a sweater into some jeans and stuff like that, and like have it out a little bit and whatever. And the girl didn't care. So <laughs> he was like super smooth and super cool, and we play all the time. It was awesome. He was a cool kid. And man, I remember one day we got to go in his house, and that was rare. The only other times I was able to go in his house was to play video games in his room. He had a Sega Genesis. I had a Nintendo. That's kind of how it was back in the day, if you know, you know. And, uh, and so it was cool going to his house. But then one day, he's like, hey, you want to go in the basement? It's like, yeah, let's do it. And we go, and it's the coolest, coolest 90s era, like, man cave. There's, like, wood-paneled walls, dark, rich wood. There's, like, uh, like one of those tiered entertainment record player tape dealios, you know, like they had back in the day, it was black. <laughs> that was a good sentence. And, and then he had a big TV, which by the way, in the 90s didn't mean just this, it meant like this too, like, you know, like so far away from the wall, but it was really cool. And he had like these African shields on the wall and masks with like spears and stuff. And I was just like, this is really rad. And he had, it, it was just like, you could tell he smoked because there was like cigar smoke and stuff like that. And it was like, ambiance. Uh, and then, and then, uh, and he had this pool table. Ooh, he had this pool table. And there was like a bookshelf here, cool little light at the top. And he had like this, uh, like stained glass, little lamp on the side and whatever. It was just a cool vibe. My buddy's like, hey, you want to play some pool? I'm like, I don't, I, we don't have a pool. We can't swim. He's like, uh, yeah. he's like, I'll teach you how to play pool. I was like, okay, cool. So he's racking it up. He's, you know, all cool about it and stuff. He's like, you want to try? I go, yeah. And I, you know, it's like color of money, like whatever. I'm like <laughs> playing pool. And then I broke that cool lamp that he had, like just instantly. And the dad 
called down. He's like, Sodden. And I was like, uh, immediately, immediately, this kid goes, give me the pool stick. I was like, what? He's like, give me the pool stick. I was like, okay. And I, I just thought, we're dead? Like, this kid's a cool, this guy's a cool guy, but like one time when it was like my buddy's birthday, we're like, what are you going to get me for Christmas? He's like, a black eye. I'm like, well, what are you going to get me for Christmas? A fat lip. What about me? A busted nose or whatever for birthday. It's like, this guy's he's funny, but like, I was scared of him. So <laughs> he comes downstairs and he's like, what happened? And I was getting ready to go, huh? I broke your lamp. I'm so sorry. Don't kill me. And my buddy's like, Dad, I broke your lamp. And I was frozen because I didn't, I didn't know what to do. Like, oh, oh. He's like, Kurt, leave. Son, come here. Bro, I didn't see that kid for days. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, what happened? And he's still limping when I saw him. He's like, oh, I got, I got. whooped. But you know what's crazy about that? That kid, he went to church every single day. His, his parents got him like an action figure or a comic book or whatever every time he went to kind of incentivize it. But like that kid was paying attention. Because when I became saved, I... I instantly got what he did. And it was such a picture of the son taking that burden from me, from his father. It was that self-sacrificial love. And yes, it's just kids, it's just pool, it's just whatever, it doesn't matter. But the picture, the imagery, like when I remembered that day after I was saved, it has haunted me since. I loved that dude. And now, it, like, when I remembered that, I was like, man, I wish I was like that more. <clears throat> What's cool is that in Christ, we can be. We can be. He raises the bar, but he does not leave us alone to meet it, and he does not trap us with something we cannot meet. If he says, love as I have loved, he means it. I pray that we can do that daily and imagine how the world would look. Imagine. Once again, thank you so much for listening. If you live in Southeast Wisconsin, we'd love to connect with you at our weekend gathering for service time, directions, and to learn more about our vision to ignite a movement of love that transforms our community and the world. Visit us at mosaicwi.com.